Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collin. What up, guys? It's Essence Carson. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, welcome to Midterms. My name is Kyle Haywood, and I will be your professor for the evening. And I hope you brought your Scantrons and your number two pencils because it's about to go down. Uh, as always, I've got my, uh, I was going to call you a TA, but that sounds a little demeaning. I've got my co-professor, my uh, co-lecturer, uh, Logan Jones with me. How is it, Logan? How's it going, Logan? Your professor. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, basketball is halfway done in the WM. Well, halfway through the regular season, uh, in the WNBA. And, uh, j- just for clarification, everybody, we were planning on, we were going to do this Sunday night, like we usually do. And then we realized that one more set of games would put us at exactly the midpoint of the season, um, as far as games played. And we thought, mm, we'll hold off for, we'll hold off for this the next set so we'll record tuesday night so here we are and that's why you're getting us now because we thought hey why not um i'll you know i think it's a good thing that we did because uh in that in that two-day span we've now seen the seattle storm commit even more war crimes against other teams. <laughs> yeah so we'll get to that in a little bit but but Oof. yeah we have a lot of games that happened just moments ago that i am man i am hyped Oh, for sure. Like it's, it's yeah. Like I'm hyped on so many different ways. I thought Las Vegas, Chicago, they never disappoint. So that was such an awesome game. Seattle beat New York by 51. That was just brutal. Um, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a solid, it's a solid round of games uh, on a Tuesday. No complaints here uh so yeah it was it was a good it was a good group i mean connecticut also beat indiana by 22 but you know that's it connecticut's playing like the team we all thought they were gonna be they're who we they are now who we thought they were so they are who we thought they were (laughs) i'm a man i'm 40 i'm a man i'm 40 (laughs) playoffs Gosh, Let's just I, talk about every post post game coach rant that we can we, right now. I, I know what story I want to lead off with tonight, but eventually let's not forget to loop back around to Kurt Miller on the bike. Uh, oh, biking Kurt Miller. Biking Kurt Miller might be like, we're going to have to figure out a way to use that meme. Like <laughs> working it. We got to figure out what the meme is, but it's, it's going to become a meme a hundred percent. My My two favorite images to come out of this season at the halfway point of the year are Kurt on the bike and uh, Bree, Stewart, and Super. Super looking bored. <laughs> looking miserably <laughs> as their team crushed uh, Dallas. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, <laughs> I feel like, and, and it's just been posted multiple, like tonight it was all over tw- Twitter. Matt Allen Tuck had a great, uh, uh, had a great, uh, shot. Uh, it was it was funny because I I took a screenshot of the halftime like score and I was just like I hit tweet and then like right below the tweet like Matt had posted like seconds earlier also a screenshot of the halftime score but then also th- that picture of them just looking bored <laughs> that was a beautiful tweet if you're if you're a WNBA fan and you're not following Matt Allen Tech on uh, uh, on Twitter, you need to go hit him up. He's also, I want to give him a little shout out here as well. Uh, the dude's put together an awesome newsletter uh, straight to your email. It's 100% free. Um, you can do a subscription for seven bucks. And to be honest, it's it totally deserves the money. Uh, I Go ahead and, and, and throw him seven bucks a month um, and, and help him out. He's, he's putting in some serious work, producing a lot of great content. We're big Matt Allen Tuck fans. So, um, so hit that up, but that was a, that was an awesome tweet to see. Yeah. That picture, um, that picture showing up regularly. Let me go find out 
uh, why my dogs feel like they need to be chiming in. About <laughs> I would be right. <laughs> you good. Well, while Logan is uh, is grabbing his dogs and and checking uh, checking on them, I'll run you guys through what we're going to be looking to talk about today. So, um, obviously, we're going to hit just the last couple games. You know, we'll probably talk Chicago and Las Vegas. We're also going to talk about a little bit of uh, Seattle, New York, and uh, Connecticut, uh, Indiana, just because they were played today and it's relevant. A lot of the games that happened several days ago, we're not going to go through those. But the main discussion we're going to have today is the kind of our midseason overview. Uh, to, to run through things, Seattle and Chicago and, oh, let's see. Seattle, Chicago, and Connecticut have all played 12 games. Uh, then who else? Washington, Los Angeles, and Minnesota have only played 10 games. So three teams have played 12 games, three teams have played 10 games, and everybody else has played 11 in a 22-game season. So we've got we, – we aren't exactly in the midway point, but that doesn't mean that every team is exactly at the midway point for their own individual games, just how the schedule worked out. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty – we're starting to see where everybody's falling. It's starting to really uh, span out. Um, what's really crazy about this is that we have a, a team with one win. Like, as, as I was looking at wins, we've got – a one-win team, a two-win team, a three-win team, four wins, five wins, six wins, seven wins, eight wins. So we've got one through eight, every, like every number covered. And then you jump to 11 at, with Seattle right at the very top. So pretty wild, uh, pretty wild there. But uh, we're going to take a look at our midseason picks or our midseason review as well as taking a look at some of our preseason picks for um, – for like the uh, awards, right? MVP, coach of the year, rookie of the year, that kind of stuff. And kind of see where those, see where those uh, all happened. So uh, yeah, that's basic. That's the basic rundown of what we're going to cover today. And uh, yeah, we'll see when Logan gets back. Are you back? Oh, sweet. You're back. Nice. Um, Hey, good timing. And you know what? We're going to release this uh, without cutting any of that because you guys are just going to, you're all going to enjoy the, the the raw and uncut WNBA nation. This is the director's cut here. But so uh so Logan, you know, ran the, ran through real quick uh, you know kind of the records for uh the regular season standings right now. Um you know, we've got a pretty good, you know, span of where teams are all the way from Seattle to New York. I just want to pick your brain really quick right now how does it look based on your expect your preseason expectations and who of out of the standings right now, who out of these 12 teams is the most out of place either high or low for you? Most out of place. Yeah. Who do you look and be like, wow, I did not expect them to be that high or that low. I think uh, as of right now, Chicago is the number five. Mm -hmm. Um, it certainly feels like they're number three or maybe number four, but really feels like they're top three. And I've been saying that for a couple of weeks now. Um, so even at uh, eight and four, they're one of the teams that's played a game or two more than, than some of the, the teams that have played 10 in front of them, like the Sparks and Lynx. Uh, so we'll see if that kind of shuffles out uh, and works itself out. But honestly, everything else, I mean, we knew Seattle and Vegas would be at the top. Um, you know, Minnesota is surprising, um, but certainly not out of place. I think according to how they've played this season, um, they, they're exactly where they should be. Uh, I think the most confusing team is the Connecticut sun. (laughs) (laughs) They're actually not like that far out of where they, like we probably predicted them to be, but just their process of getting there. Maybe. Yeah. Just how they've looked (laughs) in the season. I mean, you mentioned that almost every team, in fact, let's say this. If you were to grade on like the one to 10 scale, 10 being the best, if you were to grade every team on how you feel their season is going, you could pretty much just line up every team with their amount of wins, including the Seattle storm with 11. Yeah. They're doing an 11 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. So like Chicago being an eight is like, yeah, that makes sense. That's how it feels. You know, Vegas, that's how they feel. Connecticut being a five is like, yeah, we kind of expected them to be middle of the road, but it feels like they've been, (laughs) 
all at once like it, 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 sometimes it feels like they're a mystics dream type team like bringing up the rear other times they look like they can contend with like the sparks and minnesotas of the world it just depends yeah. on how that group's feeling uh and just uh in, in some off-season news in case you didn't see um with essence carson being waived uh connecticut snatched her up this almost the same day yeah um, it was very quickly uh, which is which i said i think kurt miller's just always like uh, if, if there's a mastermind in the league who can take a team from oh and three and oh and four and be like no this isn't who we are we're gonna dig away out of it he's the dude so uh they're at five and seven right now they're in the playoff race and uh, now that i think about it even though i I think Chicago deserves to be a little higher in the standings right now, but Connecticut's the one that looks, I guess, the most peculiar to my eye right now. Um, yeah, I think that looking at where they're at, like I think at first glance, I'm like, I don't have a problem with Connecticut at seven. I'm like, yeah, that's not super surprising, but I agree with you. I think it's just like, I'll say this. I was very surprised at the beginning of their season, but because they ha- we'll talk about this in a second they have an mvp candidate like leading the charge but the way they've played as of late i would not be surprised if they end up with a first round bye i wouldn't like it's not out of the realm of possibility for me to see them easily up in it, in the 3 or 4 seed like they're they're only what uh 3 games out of the, of those seeds right now and they've played 12 games in these other, you know, if, if LA or Minnesota drops one or two games, then over the next little bit, like they make that up pretty quick. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think Connecticut easily could get that first round by, uh, which is wild <laughs> to think about because they took forever to get a W. Um, I, for me, I'll say I actually thought Atlanta would would be doing better than they currently are. Yeah. I, I if I were to like I I thought Atlanta and Dallas would be in different places. I thought Atlanta would be like a seven or eight seed. Dallas would be like the eleven. Um, that's just how I was feeling about things. This season, I think I don't know. I think that they and they still have some of the potential. To, you know, you got Kennedy Carter coming back. Uh, hopefully here pretty soon. Um. I mean, and they've got potential. They could make a run and make a playoff spot. Um, but yeah, preseason, I thought Atlanta had a pretty decent offseason. Um, no, like, you know, nothing crazy, but they brought in a few pieces that I thought were really good. I think they that Kennedy Carter uh, has been a phenomenal uh, rookie pickup at their at the at the number four spot. But just uh, just by happenstance you know not getting all their players you know there at the beginning of the season and then carter going down with the injury like i think atlanta's had a a pretty tough road to hoe and has i mean their record reflects that Um, yeah so atlanta's definitely a good call out as for in terms of like being surprised by where they're at because mm -hmm. if you just looked at if, if you watched every game they played the season at like a random point in the game without the score on you just be like oh this is you know young solid team talented players well yeah they went toe-to-toe with seattle like the only teams in the league to give seattle a scare uh granted they lost but they only lost by two um Mm -hmm. and and then to tell you well they've lost eight in a row and they're they're two and nine and probably not gonna make the playoffs like that that doesn't feel correct to me yeah the injury makes some sense of it but i don't think kennedy carter is the difference between them stepping up and taking Seattle to the final seconds and just being awful. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's a wide range that they've covered. So um, yeah, they're definitely eight, eight straight losses. That's a, that's a, that's tough. Yeah. They started out two and one, man. And, and even at like two and four, two and five, there's games in there where you thought like, yeah, they're not going to get them all, but like they're spicy, you know, like I, yeah. I used to look ahead and think like, oh, Atlanta versus, you know, Chicago and versus for Phoenix. a minute, for a minute, the way they were playing looked like they were looking like a six seed, like a five or six seed, like right in that middle of the pack. And not so <laughs> just, yeah, they've not, they've not played. Uh, they've, they've not gotten the W's that I think they have the potential to. I think in a series, I'll put it this way. I think in a series, they beat the three teams ahead of them 
pretty handily. In a in a seven game series, I think they take Washington, Indiana, and Dallas. I think I I yeah. think they take all three of them. I would like to see the Dallas. If, with with Carter back with Carter back. Yeah. I, yeah. I I think that they take him. I would like to see the Dallas series. In fact, I would like to see a rivalry between Atlanta and Dallas kind of emerge. I uh, that I'd be down. I'd, I'd be, be super down. Kind of match up well against each other. Have a lot of young people. Ty Harris versus Kennedy Carter. Oh yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> Ty Harris stands right here. Um, let's uh, let, let's take a step back from the standings, Logan, and talk about midseason like over overview of like some of our midseason awards. Okay. Um, and let's just go. Let's hop right into MVP because we've talked about MVP. Uh, you know, a couple episodes ago, we are, we kind of give a quick overview of that. I just want to remind everybody where we were as far as uh, our picks as hosts at the very beginning of the season. Uh, so uh, myself, I had Asia Wilson, Logan had picked Courtney Vandersloot and Steve went with Bree Stewart. All three are right there, like right in the running. <laughs> You I, I think we all have a chance. I, I think Steve is probably the leading candidate because because I keep saying like, oh, the Storm, you know, they're not going to win every game because no team wins every game. But like because of Bree Stewart, they might. Um, so so I even though Vegas and and Asia Wilson, like they're they're playing hot and they're second in the league and, and she's like second in a bunch of key stats. Um, I, I think Steve's pick is probably the right one but I'm proud of us for, you know, I think our picks, Asia and Vandersloot are two of the next three with um, Parker probably being in Parker there. As, yeah. In the mix. You just got to remember your ABCs, man. Asia, <laughs> Bree and Courtney or Asia, Bree and Candace, depending, you know, Bree, I, I, I don't know if this is the question you asked or not, but I think Bree is the front runner. I mean, she's averaging like 19 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, three and a half assists. And her team is so undeniably dominant and and just a tier above where everybody else is at um and i you almost get you get to see the difference because there was a championship 2018 run there's a 2019 team that was fine but not special and head and shoulders above the rest of the field without her and now she's back and they're right back out in front you kind of get to see through that experimentation like oh look how much of a difference she makes the the one thing I'll kind of add on to the end of that thought is we've seen Chicago play stretches without Vandersloot on the floor this season, and it's a very similar outcome. <laughs> uh, yeah. In fact, in fact, maybe worse for Chicago when Vandersloot doesn't play. I think, I think Vandersloot probably holds more bearing on her team right now as far as making or breaking wins and losses. I think Seattle still picks up a lot of Ws without – I think if you take Bree Stewart out, I still think they're a top two team in the league. Top two? Yeah, I'd still put them up. I, I, maybe Vegas, you know, at how Vegas have been playing lately. Um, but I, I think they're right. I still think they're very top tier. I think they're right at the top of the league, even, even without Bree Stewart this year. Like, they're that deep. They're, I don't know. Like, but that being said, Bree is still playing like an MVP. I mean, she dropped 14, had five rebounds, two blocked shots, and a steal in 21 minutes tonight. <laughs> she, she only played half the game. She was plus 37 on the plus minus in 21 minutes. For, for reference, in 21 minutes tonight, I brushed my teeth and made like half of a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> the other half still waiting it's just over there just like sad that's a lot of production in 21 minutes <laughs> yeah breeze and that's what it's kind of weird and we talked about this before we talked about this on another episode like if seattle is blowing teams out does it hurt or help breeze like candidacy and mvp campaign and I think you, you mentioned it that you think it, it helps and it, it doesn't hurt at all. And I tend to agree with you. Um, however, if you have Asia Wilson that's playing, you know, 32 minutes a game or 34 minutes a game, and, uh, you know, if, if she's playing at that level, 
if she's playing 30 minutes a game and Bree's playing 20 and Asia's, you know, got more production and on a second place team, I think you make that argument. You also have Courtney Vandersloot who's playing MVP caliber unless they played against Seattle, right? Then, then Chicago just looked just not not right. Chicago looked pretty bad against Seattle. But Vandersloot, Vandersloot just dropped in this, an insane line tonight. You know, she had 15, 15 points and 15 assists. 15 assists in, uh, you know, for those of you who may be newer to the WNBA, the WNBA plays essentially only 75% of the minutes that the NBA does. They play a, they play a much shorter game. Um, and so... 15 assists, like, that's just bonkers to me. And, and she's, she's playing a phenomenal, phenomenal game. And that's just our picks. No, that's not including that, I mean, Candace Parker's been playing phenomenally. She's not putting up crazy points, but she's, I, I think she's almost leading the league in rebounds. Let me double check this really quick. In rebounds, she's second in the league in rebounds. She's only .1 behind Alyssa Thomas. Okay, so she's almost leading the league in rebounds. Um She's getting, you know, like 13 points or something like that and almost four assists. Like, she's, she's playing really, really good basketball. So, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't leave her out. Um, Logan, who do you have on, like, so, so we talked about, like, those four players, right? Asia, Bree, Candice, Courtney. Who do you have as, like, maybe your, like, next level that, like, still in the running but not a front runner right now? I think on the fringes but definitely worth talking about we got to go to Minnesota and take a look at Nafisa Collier. Bro, Nafisa has been going wild lately. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite, just personally, one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Um, yeah. and it's, that's on a roster with every reason and excuse to not be good this year. Uh, and still, and this, this feels, we were talking about this just briefly in pre-record today. This feels like a different Lynx team from the Lynx teams of the, the past dynasty, you know, the past decade. Um, yeah. It's a new look. This is, uh, this is a sophomore in the league averaging uh, where are her averages. I just lost them. She just scored um, a season high 26 against the New York Liberty, which everyone kind of beats up on the Liberty, but um, that's still, you know, WNBA competition and a second year player. Um, with a 26 and 13 game um that's just that's just nuts and like i i think what she's doing is like you said like uh uh brie is kind of like if you took brie off of seattle you know seattle still pretty much thrives but they're you know they're dominant because of brie stewart i think uh vandersloot a little bit more noticeable when she's not on the floor the offense slows down things don't flow as well because of her assist numbers I think Nafisa Collier has an argument to be like the single most key player to her team and and their success because without Nafisa Collier I don't know where the Minnesota Lynx would be uh, yeah I'd say her and maybe Agumbawale I yeah. think those two like Agumbawale seems like the only one <laughs> like on Dallas she seems like the only consistent scorer they have right now think think about this with without um Sylvia Fowles in in some games that they've played uh and and which which is always scary because it's like a calf injury which can sometimes lead to much worse injuries and we don't want to really dig into that and bring bad juju to it but um with all that uncertainty they're a game out of the double buy halfway through the season that is nuts <laughs> like they and and getting the double buy almost guarantees you I mean it is the definition of a deep playoff run because you make it through two rounds automatically and then gives you a shot at taking on likely the Seattle Storm in the final. So that's that's how good second-year player Nafisa Collier is. And we've given a ton of attention to Asia Wilson and what she's done in a very young career in this league. And I think it's time to put Collier in the same conversation as, you know, this is going to be an MVP and face-of-the-league type player sooner rather than later. I, I'll say – I'll tell you what I think a lot of – like I'll tell you, what I think has affected Nafisa Collier. I think that Nafisa Collier came in; she won Rookie of the Year, but there was a lot of hype behind Agumbawale. Um, you know, as oh, you know, Agumbawale really deserved it, and so it was kind of like this back and forth. Um, 
and it wasn't it wasn't one of those years where the first you know the first overall pick takes home the rookie of the year, right? Um, you know, Jackie Young still working some kinks out, and actually, speaking of, actually played pretty well over the last couple of games for uh, for Las Vegas, um, but just seemed to kind of like, I mean, she was rookie of the year and an All Star selection last year, and I still felt like she was kind of just under the radar, right? She wasn't quite there and is having a breakout sophomore year, like absolutely on a tear right now. And I love it. Like I'm, she's rising very quickly, as you said, on, on like players that I enjoy watching. Yeah. Like her game against New York the other day was nuts. Like just absolutely nuts. She had 26 points and 13 boards, like to go along with five assists, two steals, two block shots. Like, she did everything on the floor while shooting, you know, over 50% from the field, like just, just, uh, just everywhere. She was playing so, so well. Um, I loved it. I, I'm loving what I'm seeing from Nafisa. I, I agree. I think she's got an outside shot. Um, when it almost, I think she gives Minnesota an identity and I don't know mm-hmm. if they've had that in the last two or three seasons. Uh, because they have they haven't been the powerhouse that took on LA in the finals a couple years ago for a while now, but with her averaging you know 15 and nine and doing everything you expect a complete player to do, she's good from the foul line. She can score. She can pass. She sees the floor well. I just I I wonder if Asia Wilson and Agumba Wale and other players that have you know, they're, they're like the one or two players above her in all these different categories, but she's right there in all of them. And I wonder if they've overshadowed a little bit the fact that she's, you know, going to be in this league. When we're able to go to all-star games again, we're going to see her at the all-star game multiple times. And, and she's going to be carrying this Minnesota team to uh, a lot of postseason success, I think. I'd agree. I think, I think Nafisa Collier is kind of that future building block that I I really think Minnesota is going to double down on making her that, uh, that nucleus, you know, forming as they form that nucleus. I think she's going to be a very key part in that. Um, really excited to see. Let's, let's stay in Minnesota for just a quick second. Well, no, we'll come back to this. We'll come back to that. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Anybody else that you want to mention um, as far as like outside shots at, at maybe the MVP right now? Um, yeah, I think uh, Dewana Bonner is worth a mention. Um, 18 points a game. She's having one of the best years of her career. Um, she's thriving in Connecticut. They're just such a confusing team that she's way on the fringes. I just, I, unless she like really leads them back over the second half of the year into contender category, it just doesn't feel like they're going to get quite the hype uh, to give her that boost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of the same situation with um, Arike Agumbawala. Yeah, I was going to say both of those two, if their teams end up getting into like, it, I, I think for an MVP, you almost have to be like a five, like a, like, like a, a higher than a five seed, right? Or five seed or higher. If your team, if you, you're not going to pull an MVP from like a, you know, a team that didn't make the playoffs. I just, I don't see that happening. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I think Arike and Dewana, if their teams can boost up a bit, yeah, like go yeah. 100%. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, award season always takes into account kind of how the narrative has played out across the season. So mm-hmm. if you don't get a hot start and we're halfway through the year um, as a team, it's very difficult later on to get noticed as anything but, you know, like, oh, you're, you know, you're stuffing the stat sheet, but it's a bad team and you know like your time will basically come later like we need to talk about who's the hottest hand right now mm-hmm. um, that, that crosses all sports in every league um i don't know if i necessarily agree with it but it certainly feels like the the field has been narrowed to about four or five uh, unless something extraordinary happens no i i'd agree with you there um let's talk coach of the year real quick so our picks for coach of the year were steve had gary kloppenberg uh, Seattle's 11 and one hard to argue against that one. Uh, I had Marion Stanley, uh, out of Indiana. I thought Indiana was going to play better than they have been. Um, Marianne play and focus more on Tierra McCowan. It'll help. I promise. 
uh what do i know to be honest <laughs> i'm not i'm not in the locker room or at practices here i am just yeah that's but outsider perspective you had james wade uh in chicago and even yeah. though he won it last year i think he i i would say he's probably for me i think he's a top three pick right now yeah um, I, I'm uh, if, if i mid-season can switch because uh, i think kloppenberg wade like i like those takes if I can switch from Marianne Stanley and add Cheryl Reeve, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a fair that, – that would be a fair switch to make. I, I'm feeling pretty good about the James Wade pick. The problem is going to be uh, the Storm feel like they're just going to sweep every award because it's hard to give any <laughs> they're gonna have they're gonna be one of the most dominant teams because right yeah. now they look like the, one of the most dominant teams that WNBA has ever seen yeah they really do they look like I, I it's hard to picture a team being more in stride and in sync than they are right now so uh we don't get to see uh Seattle and Chicago clash until the end of this month um but that could be you know if Chicago can stay on track uh, and maybe make a little bit of a run. I I do still think that every basketball team, um, you know, they a couple games just get to them, um, or maybe Seattle's peaking at the wrong time and Chicago's able to peak at the end of the season and, and start to pull away from teams instead of giving us a heart attack every night. Um, but that that August 29th matchup is definitely one to circle on the calendar because that could be the difference uh, when we're when we're looking at award season at the end of the year. Uh, I think those matter. I agree. I'd agree with that. Um, anybody else other than those those that we mentioned? Anybody else that you think might have a shot at uh, at Coach of the Year? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I, th- I I would say second tier, still in the running, but maybe not a front runner. Uh, would be Lambier. I think yeah. because because Las Vegas, there were still a lot of questions. I mean, they moved. They you went from you know you lost Plum and Cambage, and I mean you picked up McCautry. You know you still have McBuckets and Asia Wilson. You know D Rob's holding it down in your in your backcourt. Like you've got you've got some really solid players, and you probably have you might have sixth woman of the year is one of the hardest to ever select. But yeah. Derek Hamby. I think you have to talk about her as far as six woman. We're not going to talk six woman, but she's there. And I mean, yeah, I know they lost to Chicago tonight, but they're still the second best team in the league. And after losing like two of your probably four best players, like to still be second in the league, only behind an absolutely crazy Seattle team. I don't know. I think he, I don't think that he's front runner, but I think he's worth bringing up. And, and men mentioning. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a good call. Okay. I've got, <laughs> I want to bring up the rookie of the year race. Okay. <laughs> uh, mean, because you mean, you mean I, your war of attrition. I mean, I mean the, the race that based that has been basically, uh, who's who's stepping up after you know injuries have have decimated this rookie class um obviously so steve and you both put sabrina i had sabali um sabali has had a decent year unesco obviously you know out really early in the season uh with that injury and we're it's you know we're still not sure exactly what the rest of the season is going to look like um, for her. So we'll, we'll just have to see. Um, But then Kennedy Carter, it was all the Kennedy Carter train and still might be, I mean, she, she can easily come back and, and, and basically keep doing what she was doing, but it's not just Kennedy anymore. Logan, I'm curious who's on your radar right now uh, as a rookie of the year front runner. Well, uh, uh, someone that you might have remembered that, that we talked a little bit about when we did our mock draft episode, uh, because we were talking about all this guard play and we were like, Taya Cooper and where's she going to go? And Ty Harrison, where's she going to go? And you know who we didn't know what to do with is crystal Dangerfield. She was very, she was all over our boards. Cause I think at one time I can't, it, I can't remember. I can't remember who it was. One of us had her at like five 
And then somebody else had her like halfway through the second round, yeah, like which is when crazy. she ended up going. She ended up going 16th. So, I mean, she was, a lot of people weren't quite sure where to take Crystal Dangerfield. But, yeah, she has been a revelation lately. Uh, she scored in double figures in all but two of their games. Like, yeah. uh, in, uh, I, I don't think it – I don't think it cheapens it at all that this is a year where there were tons of good rookies, but also tons of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, I think it's uh, an impressive statement um, that they were able to get through. I mean, the bubble draft, the virtual draft, basically no preseason uh, activities or time with the team. And then we're thrown into the fire that is the WNBA, uh, which is the hardest to make roster in, in sports uh, and, and thrive. So anybody you know, obviously we'd like to see Sabrina and Kennedy Carter out there. Um, but it, it certainly feels like if you can get through a full season and make an impact just based on like the, the context of this crazy season, um, anybody who's able to do that, I think deserves to be in the running. And right now I think Dangerfield has a really good argument at it. I agree with you. Um, I, I, what would be really cool is she'd actually be the first ever second round pick that takes home rookie of the year um and uh, like you said like there's a lot that's gone into this year but previous to that the lowest pick to win a rookie of the year goes all the way back to the initial rookie of the year tracy reed in 1998 she was taken seventh dangerfield was taken 16th so she was more than double the amount of picks after Tracy Reed. And she's, in my opinion, she's right at the front of, of this rookie of the year race. Uh, so just, yeah, there's, there's a lot happening. I mean, Lauren Cox looks like hopefully she can, you know, get in and, and make some noise. We've got, you know, Kennedy Carter, hopefully returning. Um, yeah. There like there's Ty Harris has played decent, you know, some solid minutes. Like there's, there's other rookies out there that I think still have some potential to make some noise, but I think Crystal Dangerfield has definitely the number one resume among rookies right now. Do you, I, do you I, feel I, like there's enough time for Kennedy Carter and Sabrina to come back and make a run at the rookie of the year? Or like, I feel like half the season is pushing it, but I don't know. <sighs> Kennedy, Kennedy, I think maybe has a shot. I think Sabrina, I, I don't know if Sabrina, if, if I'm New York on this season, I don't know how quickly I'm pushing to have Sabrina even back on the floor. I'll put it that way. I, yeah. uh, I, I think if she comes back, you know, or when she comes back, I think it'll be limited minutes. I think, you know, I, so I, I, I hate to say it, but I, I'm almost kind of writing UNESCO out of the rookie of the year race. Um, and maybe if she sits out, if she ends up deciding to sit out the rest of the season, maybe, you know, maybe she does like a a Ben Simmons and, and has a shot at it like her sophomore year, right. The next season. Um, but yeah, I, I think Kennedy Carter coming back where she was playing before she got hurt. And if she comes, if she comes right back and hops right back into it and is producing like she she is i think that she could make a case um but yeah uh, i think that i think right now if crystal dangerfield just holds steady where she's been which is not going to be easy i mean she dropped 29 points against the sparks right (laughs) are you saying that's not sustainable i don't i don't i'm I'm not saying she i don't think she's going to score 20 plus every night uh, she's only done it twice all season, but if she can, you know, score in the upper teens and she's, t- you know, still averaging like four assists a game. And like, I think, I think that she's, I think she's right there. I don't, I don't think there's many, I don't think there's many rookies who, if she holds that, that stat line basically through the rest of the season and Minnesota still finishes, you know, even like sixth place or better. I think like that just even like secures it that much more. Uh, I think it's a no brainer. I think you have to, there's a few outside shots, but really right now I think it's, it's crystal Dangerfield is, is, is doing 
doing some really, really good work uh, in Minnesota. Yeah, she's definitely, like I said, I, I feel very differently about this Minnesota team's identity this year uh, versus years past. It feels like a whole new team with Collier and Dangerfield kind of uh, booing up this group. As you mentioned, only two games this year where she did not get double-figure scoring. One of those games, um, she went 0 for 3 and only played 11 minutes, and that was against Seattle. So that's every game against Seattle is an outlier anyway. Um, the other game, she scored nine points against Chicago. So right. uh, definitely one to keep an eye on. Lots of reasons to watch Minnesota this year. Probably the surprise of the year at the midway point. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Um. Okay. Any, uh, any, anybody else that we're missing uh, as far as, I mean, I know we talked, we talked Dangerfield a lot and we, we did bring up, you know, some of the other kind of bigger names um, there. Is there anybody that you feel like we're really just missing? I mean, I'll, I'll say this, just because we're not bringing them up in rookie of the year award discussion does not mean that they haven't been playing well. I think, I think there's several players that have, um, have made some pretty decent impacts on their team um and and are looking really good and that their future is bright that i'm just i'm not putting in that rookie of the year discussion right now does that make sense yeah yeah i totally agree i think uh i think ty harris has played well in limited minutes uh but she has been a little more inconsistent and the minutes have been limited um Mm -hmm. it's kind of frustrating because you'd think that dallas um, would want to try some different things and have her out there a little bit more but she's basically capped at about 20 minutes a game yeah. Um, she, there's games where she takes eight or nine shots. There are games where she takes two shots all game. So, yeah. you know, being, she, she's not, just, you know, the primary scoring option out there. Right. Uh, I think she's trying to be more of a distributor, which is working. She's had a lot of, uh, uh, games with five plus assists this year, but yeah, she's one that we talk about because we keep an eye on her and, and there's lots of opportunity for growth in Dallas. Um, but I, you know, I don't think she's in that discussion yet. Um, I think I think there's a couple of players who may have some outside shots. I mean, you got play like Jasmine Jones lately has been playing really well for New York. Uh, you know, she kind of bursted onto the scene after she got a bunch. She got a bunch more minutes uh, when they played the Sparks, and uh, uh, you know, I think she. I, I have to pull it up. I think she scored like 23, 24, something like that, and, yeah, and had a really solid game. Um, and then Julie Alamond. Uh, you know, point guard in Indiana, I think has played really well. I think she's, she's been a, she's not filling up the stat line like crazy. Um, she's not putting up gaudy numbers, but is like, I, she's again, I'm not putting her necessarily into that front runner discussion for rookie of the year, but as far as players who I'm really happy about, you know, like seeing them in their first season in the league, like, yeah, like a hundred percent. She's, she's doing really well. Uh, I, I like Alamond a lot because she's she is playing big minutes. She's playing more than thirty minutes a night on a regular basis, usually thirty five. Um, and she she also is not you know the main offensive weapon on that team. But when she does shoot, she's usually very efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, has had four games this year in double digit scoring. So I I do I I like keeping an eye on her a lot. She's had uh, games with nine assists, eleven. Um, several with five or more like she she really helps the flow of the offense um and indiana is kind of a team that <laughs> has graduated from uh kind of being hated on because they're at the bottom of the barrel to we're not really talking about them a lot because they're in the playoff hunt and they're they're not playing all that bad i mean i think they're four and seven um yeah. so they're, they're not doing anything particularly special but with a rookie guard uh getting that much playing time uh and them still being able to collect a couple wins against maybe some of the weaker teams and younger teams. Uh, we might see them in the playoffs here this year. And I think even if you're not going into a series expecting necessarily to, to hold your own, like if it's a Vegas versus Indiana game, you know, like not a lot of people are going to put their money on Vegas or, or excuse me on, on Indiana, but just that playoff experience in a league that the rosters are so limited and the season is so short. Um, I think getting playoff experience as a rookie means a lot. So yeah, no, I again, I, I don't, I don't think she'll compete for the award, um, but she's definitely someone that I could see being a piece for this team moving forward for a while, um, and it seems like they like using her in the spot where where she's at right now. So, love it. Um, all right, Logan, uh, I think 
I don't want to get into defensive player of the year, six women or most improved because those are such like, we'd have to go like 30 players deep on some of those lists. There's so many, uh, you know, that are, yeah, that are in the running for a lot of those. So, um, we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that as we come to the close of the regular season, but right now we're not going to, we're going to go ahead and skip that in our midterm discussion. Um, uh, if you, if you want to, if you want to hear about that, we're happy to do it maybe as like a Patreon special or something. So if you want to hop on our Patreon and, and become a patron there, maybe, maybe we'll do it there, but for a regular episode, we'll, we'll go ahead and skip that. Speaking of before we, before we, uh, you know, there's one or two things I want to hit on, but, but really quick, Logan, um, let it, let's let everybody know where they can find us on social media and where, uh, where else they can connect with us. Absolutely. You can find us on social media, uh, on Twitter, primarily, uh, where we are at WNBA nation pod. Um, we interact with people there all the time through our private accounts and through our, have our branded pod account. Uh, and we, we will be posting updates from games as well as our favorite. Uh, <laughs> if you're wondering where we get these images from the season we talked about at the, at the top of the show, um, a lot of times that's where you'll see us posting things like that. Um, it's also a great opportunity for you to ask questions that you want answered on the show. Uh, we, we absolutely love getting a discussion points from people who are listening that uh, want to know our thoughts on certain things, certain players. Uh, you can obviously check us out um, on all sorts of different platforms to listen to the pod, um, particularly Apple Podcasts, where if you want to drop a five-star review, you can keep us uh, at the top of WNBA podcast so that when people come along looking for something new to listen to and look to get educated about the league and want to know what's going on, uh, they'll find us and they'll be able to join our WNBA podcast nation family. Um, Kyle, anything else? No, just uh, I want to give a shout out. We've gotten several five-star reviews lately that have, if you look at our standings as far as like sports podcasts in general, our show has been going uh, has been going up the charts quite a bit and we want to like it it sounds ridiculous to be like well you know it's just it, i don't need to stop and give him a five starting if you do it really does boost us up those those you know sports podcast thing and you know who knows somebody clicks on it they get introduced to the league and we bring more people into this amazing league and you know we get more fans there's more you know money coming into the league and you know we can we can uh do some do some good here. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to hit that five-star review, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, you can also check us out on Patreon. We mentioned that just a second ago. Um, we like to interact there. We haven't done a ton with that just simply because there's so much basketball. Uh, this last month, we haven't done a ton on there. Uh, patrons know that we love you. It's coming. We've got, in fact, we just were messaging uh, about a potential uh, really interesting and really exciting uh, content piece that might be coming your way. Uh, something that we definitely enjoy doing and that uh, we think that all of you have enjoyed in the past as well. Um, might be coming your way as well. Again, it's just bandwidth. Uh, we've got jobs. We've got families. We've got, you know, there's a lot going on here. And so we're trying to trying to do everything we can but if you want to check us out on patreon get some bonus content get some kickbacks and just support us because you appreciate you know what we do we we appreciate your support it's been really nice we've hit a threshold to where uh the the costs of running our show our hosting costs and our production costs and whatnot um we've got those covered now so it actually isn't uh, having to come out of our own pockets. It's just uh, a time investment now. And that's been huge. So we can't thank our patrons enough for all that they do. You guys are like our family. We really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Um, Logan, can we talk real quick, Aces and Sky, before we hop off? Of course we can. Because uh, it was just, I, we got to hit this game that happened at night. So I know I wanted to, I mean, the show was about midterms, right? We wanted to take like a, a big, big view of, of the league in general. Let's, let's get into just one game that happened at night. And because it was just, oh, it was amazing. It was, it was one of the better games of the, of the entire season. If you're new to the WNBA this season and the bubble is, is your first experience, Kyle, what, what should people know about these two teams? 
<laughs> so these two teams, so it's, it's this weird blossoming rivalry that's literally happened over like three games. Like it's a three game rivalry. That's amazing. Like it's so good. Um, so last season, Chicago, uh, Chicago was kind of in the driving driver's seat. They were just about to, uh, you know, they looked like they were going to win, win a game against Las Vegas to advance to the next round of the playoffs. Uh, Vandersloot, who we brought up as an MVP candidate who dropped 15 dimes tonight. Um, oh, spoiler alert. Oh, we mentioned that already. Um, she dropped 15 dimes. So she's like, she's this incredible player, you know, in the back court, she turns it over at, at mid court to Erica Hamby picks it up, chucks a, a half court shot and drills it to win the game. Uh, to to win the game for Las Vegas, so that was huge. A, Chicago was was going to win in a situation where she didn't have to do it. There was time on the <laughs> yeah. there was like four seconds left, and she thought the clock was expiring and just heaved it and just drills it. It was amazing. Um, so that was last season, and then those two teams. So Chicago loses that way. Chicago then comes back, and the first game Chicago has in this regular season is against Las Vegas, right? So it's this renewed like rivalry, like, ah, oh, like you knocked us out last year on a crazy play. Like we got you back. And that game went to like, that game went like really, really late, like a one possession game, you know, just a few seconds left. I believe it was like 10 seconds or seven seconds, or I can't remember. Maybe it was like 14 seconds. Allie Quigley, three point aficionado, drills a three-pointer to uh you know to to put chicago up uh, in the in the closing seconds to win that one so a big place late in games uh between these two teams so chicago got the w there um and then las vegas and chicago met again tonight so that's what you need to know history of these teams before we we hop into this game perfect yeah and so let's it's almost a guaranteed wire to wire thrill ride. Like these teams are never going to be like, Oh, we got the best of them and one by eight. It's like, no, it's going to be one possession. It's going to be who has the ball last. Uh, it's going to be who draws up the best plays. Uh, and man, I, I'm I, I should have brought this up earlier when I was patting myself on the back for my James Wade coach of the year pick. But that dude has got some plays in his back pocket specifically for Vegas coming out of timeouts. Chicago might be the best team in the league coming out of a timeout. Yeah. Yeah. They're very yeah. good. They, they use the whole floor. Everybody touches the ball. It's, it's, <laughs> it's poetic almost the way that um, some of the things unfold that he draws up. Uh, and this, especially an interesting game because Vegas took a first quarter lead um, and had uh, a big lead. Yeah, yeah. They were up, they were up big at, at points in this game. Yeah, they, they had a good nine, ten point lead. Uh, and then in the third quarter, Chicago charged back, uh, started to get the best of them. Uh, and boy, I don't even know where to start in this game. Angel McCautry was awesome. Uh, Kayla McBride was pretty good. Uh, Asia Wilson only three of 12. And I, I think that, you know, in a two point game, that's definitely the difference. Just Asia not having her shot tonight and Chicago really closing out well on her throughout the game. Um, Jackie Young also just struggling from the floor. Um, but man, for Chicago, if, if you wanted a Vandersloot MVP performance, um, this here is, it is, this is the line six and nine, 15 points, two turnovers, 15 assists, six. That's a, is, is that good? 15 assists is a seven and a half. So good. Is a seven and a half to one assist to turnover ratio. Good Logan. <laughs> I remember my high school coach getting stoked if we were like two to one. Let me, like, let me put it this way. <laughs> in, in a complete game tonight, the New York Liberty as a team had 12 assists. Oh, <laughs> there's, there's some perspective. Okay. Well, I like it. Yeah. So in, you know, how many minutes did you play? Probably most of the game in 30, 33 30, minutes. Tonight. Yeah. You know, she she did a team's worth of distributing in her time on the floor. Uh, also, <laughs> some Diamond to Shield stuff. She's starting to get her swagger. Really liked seeing a good game from her. Kalia Copper continues to be a freaking force. Yeah. <laughs> so she has been she has been so good. 
Yeah, I I think that she like she is having probably her best career. Not even probably, definitely her best career or best season of her career right now. A really really solid performance from Copper. Um, I here's can I tell you my my difference maker here. Oh, who yeah. who made this game for me was Azare Stevens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely shut Wilson down. Like Las Vegas looked completely lost on offense for large stretches of this game because of Stevens, because of what she was doing. Now, I, I'm not I'm not saying that the rest of Chicago, you know, didn't didn't have a, a, a part to play in that. But her in particular, she just she really really she she defended so well and just threw things off and i don't think a lot of people are gonna know and realize what she did in the game i guess you look at the box she did have five block shots okay so like yeah she had five block shots led the team in rebounds as well so it's there the stats are there but it does that still doesn't even like five blocks is insane i get it that still doesn't tell the whole story like she just she played a phenomenal game. If it wasn't for her defense, I think Las Vegas wins this game pretty handily. Um, when she she shut she shut Wilson down, who is you know one of our two top two MVP picks right now. Right, and if if you were looking at this game in the final seconds and you were like, we got to have someone on this team take a shot, she's probably the fourth, maybe fifth player I would have taking the game winner. Yeah. And yet, who was the final play drawn up for? <laughs> yeah. Freaking it, wide open Azuri Stevens. In the oh, of the if you okay here, you have homework. If you didn't see this game or you didn't see the end of this game, just go find the final play. Chicago's final play from this game. They scored with like three seconds left. All right. Uh, so just find the final play. If you go to just WNBA.com and click on this game, it should have like a highlight that comes up of the game. If you're a Twitter user, just type in Azura Stevens or, you know, if you follow Bleacher Report. I mean, everybody was tweeting. It was such... So oh, it was beautiful play. And it, it wasn't just her. It was the whole team executed everywhere from, everywhere from, you know, passes and dribbles and cuts to screens. There were multiple screens that just every bit of this play just worked so well, executed very well to get to, to pull ahead and, and make this you know, to, to get a W here. Yeah. Late thought, game uh, heroics by Chicago uh, have, have allowed them to beat the aces twice so far this season. Yeah. yeah. They've gotten uh, they've gotten revenge twice, but uh, you know, postseason revenge is still in the grasp of both these teams. And I, I suspect we will see them face off against each other and every game is so close. I, I think Vegas is going to have some, some words uh, and some things to say about their next matchup. There's a great tweet that I just want to bring up really quick from James K. Who's a, he's a writer. He's connected to the Windsider um, like podcast and website. And if you're, if you're following us and you like what we do, you're going to like Windsider. You should check them out. Um, he just said, I don't know where the sky would be without Azure Stevens this season. Uh, when she's aggressive, she is lethal. And that I've thought that about every player on this team. I've thought that about Kalia Copper. I've thought that about, uh, Vandersloot and Quigley because they're star guards and we know that. Mm-hmm. I've seen it from DeShields. Yeah, I I think Diamond DeShields the you know from when she's on versus when she's hurt. Um, you know I've I've wondered like you know how high can this team go when she's healthy? I think even we should give Steph Dolson some props. Yeah, uh, and that she's she's a player we've been hard on on this show before for maybe not being the answer in the playoffs at center, um, but playing the five, she stepped out and hit three three pointers in this game was able to play some good defensive minutes. Um, you know, I, it's hard to – I, I think without Dolson, that was one of their, their big problems when they got beat a couple of nights ago and James Wade was really frustrated. So this, this is a team. Um, and even though there's stars on this team, they've learned to play together so well and had such good chemistry. And it's, it's something that is obviously missing on younger teams that don't quite have the talent. But it's also missing on some of the teams that do have stars, but not this amount of cohesion uh, on the floor. And it's really fun to watch. Love it. Uh, two other games played tonight. Bonner dropped 28 in a huge Connecticut Sun victory. And Seattle had six players in double figures in a 41-point W. So we won't get into those details, but goodness. <laughs> we, we should – 
someone should stop Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Seattle guy. I'm a Pacific Northwest sports fan. That's where you know most of my teams reside. But it's starting to feel mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it. Yeah. I think that you, yeah, I hope to, I, I, I wouldn't want to be a coach that mentally is preparing my team to, to play Seattle this season. No, I, that's a, we, that's a tough job. We've gotten an opportunity to, to meet a lot of their players and interact with them. And we, we love the storm, but the part of me that is always an underdog fan in my heart of hearts is like, who's going to beat these guys? Like <laughs> trying to figure out a way for it to happen. It's, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. All right. Well, Logan, I appreciate Thanks for hanging out with me tonight, man. And thanks to all of you for, for listening, for, for being a part of our WNBA nation. We love this. Uh, we'll get another episode out here in just a few days uh, with, with some more reactions to, to games coming up later this week. Um, I hope you have a good uh, Wednesday as you're probably listening to this if you listen to it the first day that we release it. But I uh, hope you're having a good day. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all that you're doing. Um, and, uh, yeah. Anything else that we want to leave our listeners before we sign off for the night, Logan? No, you know where to find us. Uh, again, we, we want to interact with you and we want your questions and we want your insight. And, uh, we're so glad that you are part of this. I'm not going to say wobble out loud with a straight face, but part of this weird bubble season with us, that's what the W's <laughs> are, um, as we progress. And I, I think, I think it's been a lot of fun. I'm excited to see what the second half holds. Absolutely. Thanks for being here for your midterm. Everybody, you've passed. Congratulations. Uh, but you got to step it up. The final is going to be tough. All right. So uh, study up. Get in, uh, get in some study groups. And we have a recitation on Thursday. Uh, and I will see all of you then. But for WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.